0: John What a scream! What a screamer!
1: British fans fleeced for 15 pounds and still only get to watch one half of Arsenal football. This is the Arsenal Vision Post Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Hey, 15 pounds! What a bargain! For 15 pounds, you should get 90 minutes of football, not 45 minutes of football. Now, do we blame pay per view or do we blame the team? I will leave that to the experts, and they are here. You can find them on Twitter at Posn in My Pants. Hello, Paul. Woo-hoo. And on Twitter at Clyde PFC. Hello, Clive. If you want a conversation with less of me and more of them and including Tim, you can listen to the Instant Reaction Pod. Now, it's on Patreon, but it's free for everyone. It's unlocked. And we did that. uh, And I have to give Tim credit for the idea. I wish I had it, but I'm glad we did it, which is, look, if you are uh, a British fan, you were given the option to find an illegal stream or... Uh, pay the the paltry sum of just 15 pounds for that that 90 minutes of football. Uh, and if you did that, then uh, we wanted to provide a little salary relief, a little wage relief, as they say, um, by by making the Instant Reaction Pod free for everyone. So uh, you can listen to that. It's Tim, it's Paul, and it's Clive. but I do a six-minute rant at the beginning. So you can either skip the first six minutes and listen to them, or if you are, uh, what's the word, a masochist, you can just listen to the first six minutes and skip the rest. Uh, it'll be a blend of the two today, I feel, and... I think we want to have two kind of conversations here. One that is granular about the game, as we always do, and another that is um, more of the issues of what's what's happening with our our football and maybe how it started to drift a little bit away from the progress that we'd all started to see at the end of Project Restart. So we'll start with the positive. Um, Oh, and there's a third conversation, which is also about how to uh, properly shave your privates. Of course, don't forget that. We'll get to Manscaped a little bit later on. So, uh, Clive, I, I think it is worth acknowledging that there were signs of life in the first half. Now, I, I think that they may be overstated, and I think they're partly overstated because we took some shots and it was better in the second half. But, um, you know, Lester came and seemed to want to sit very deep, at least for the first half, and soak it up. And we pushed a lot of resources into their half, but it kind of left us playing uh, the maestro in midfield of David Luiz. Everything that we did creatively seemed to work through him, and I think a lot of that is because we had... A profile in midfield with Party, Shaka, and Sabias. It was all very similar in terms of what they bring. So um on the one hand, some positives to the way we pushed them back, held the ball, built from the back. On the other hand, maybe not the incision in the center of the park that we would have wanted. How do you how do you weigh the pros and cons of the way we the way we tried to build the attack in the first half?
2: Yeah, so when you're playing against a mid-low block there's a couple of, there's different ways to attack it right, so you can either start switching play, Liverpool do this a lot, they switch play from side to side onto aggressive fullbacks one does a, a set and cross in Alexander Arnold and Robertson normally drives into those areas off to switch and crosses on the sprint, right, so but we did this a lot. So Dabre's got the golf clubs out and he did the switch left and from right to left, out to Kieran a few times. Really exciting. They was already high. Then he did the chip down the line to Bellary on the sprint coming in from out to in. So we all recognise that, right? All passes made to look better by aggressive, committed movement. Right? So and that's not a bad thing that's not a bad thing it forces crosses and we're not the best crossing team but crosses are crosses right make people defend it's very hard to play through mid um, low blocks particularly when your three centre mids are one in the west end one in the east end and, and one in the middle of the pitch right mm-hmm. so it's very difficult to get any sort of connection and connectivity and one twos and combinations particularly with a centre forward that's um, not in the best of form shall we say I won't say too much because I want to leave some space for others to mm-hmm. say some things and so and then, and so, yeah, it looked okay, didn't it? We looked okay. We should have had the early goal. And I quite liked the tempo, the movement, the pace and the intention of that first half. And we were unfortunate. And we're unfortunate coming, you know, equal. But in the back of our minds, I think we're all thinking, they've come out here with no forwards. They're basically giving us the game. They're giving us... So they're saying to us, you know, you know, I'm going, you know, what I'm going to say, they're telling us about us, right? They're saying we just got hanging with Arsenal because they're going to do something stupid eventually, and we'll get in, right? So, um, and so we, that's what we saw. We, we just saw that developing over time, and I felt there's almost like a confidence that eroded as we knew the longer the game went on, we didn't score, and I thought that manifested itself later. But first off, I was fine. I was fine. Apart from the fact we weren't one 0 up. I was really yeah. quite impressed.
1: I, I think that the positivity about the first half is overstated. Now, some people would say, you've been crying out that we need to take more shots. We took whatever it was, 11 shots, I think, in the first half. Um, so there you go. You got your shots. I I would say that um, that is fair. We did shoot more, but I think the patterns of how we built play, settling into that horseshoe passing, but the irony is it wasn't horseshoe passing like under Arsene Wenger where it was on the edge of the area. Horseshoe passing was on the edge of the final third. So instead of it going around the, the the penalty box, it was going around the final third. And if you if you look at our pass map and you split it up by half, I mean the second half is really terrifyingly dire. But the first half, even there's just a really neat horseshoe right around the edge of the final third, and not a lot of straight balls through the middle. Now straight balls through the middle have been a problem for us. Period. I don't know who is supposed to play them, uh, and we'll we'll come on to that. We'll come on to how we use sorry. Party. sorry yep. when, you
2: say, when you say final third, sorry, Paul, when you say final third, are we talking around the box. Sort of no, I'm, that, I'm saying deep,
1: there? ten yards deeper than that. Even okay. so, so yeah, that, under Arsene Wenger, so it was on the edge of the box, but in this game, yeah. it
2: was ten yards even deeper than that. And and that's why they played six midfielders, right? yes, to yep. make mm-hmm. sure there was no lanes into the into the into that zone fourteen space. So I just wanted to check. That yeah, no, that that's down exactly down. what
1: I meant. And, and Paul, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to Lacazette. I. I worry that the Lacazette conversation is a convenient scapegoat for a lot of dysfunction in the way we are building play because Lacazette was involved, he missed chances, but like being involved in missing chances is better than not being involved at all. I, we're going to lay some stuff at Lacazette's feet. Well, come on to that. I just think that it is it, it is a convenient way to avoid discussing other problems. And one of the, the things that I look at, this this thing we're trying, the 2-3-5 buildup, right? So it's two of the center backs. In this case, it was Louise and Gabriel sitting behind. And then it was the three, which was Ceballos, Party, Shaka in the midline. And then the five lanes in attack, um, which became whatever it was. Tierney, Saka, Lacazette, Aubameyang, uh, Bellerin, thank you. I mean, fine. But they're all so on plane with each other. There doesn't seem to be a lot of people dropping in between the lines and connectivity there. It feels very horizontal, very flat, very rigid. And as a result... It felt very easy for Lester to just block the pathways to them. So, Paul, I mean that two, three, five buildup. Do you still like it? Do you think that it needs to be tweaked? Because for me, it felt very on plane, like just that the players were not finding pockets of space, and it was very easy to block off.
0: So, uh,
3: I'm afraid we might have to differ on this one. Fire away uh, on a few points. Um, I think the. First half has been under-hyped rather than overhyped. Boy, we imagine are going I wasn't
1: expecting well, a big fight,
3: but we'll have a big imagine fight. Imagine us losing a game and not being reasonable about our performance. Hmm. Um, so, like, it's a really good first half. It's not my flavor of football necessarily. Um, you know, if we critique the fact that we didn't have a lot of passes through the middle... Well, that's not a bug that's a feature i mean just look at the pass map it's beautiful if you like that kind of thing Ugh, it don't, is don't. <laughs> literally a perfect symmetrical symmetrical horseshoe it was the plan are you are, you, are you looking at the pass
1: map that i put in our whatsapp yep i mean it, it literally couldn't be any uglier if, if you said to me paint the ugliest pass map imaginable why is it ugly though so so I, and i'll let you back in here but it is literally a line of 3 at the halfway line two chunks of 3 in the wings and a number 9 standing totally unconnected to any of it in the middle and there's there's no there's no central midfield the there's horseshoe. no attacking midfielder yeah, it's, it's a
3: horseshoe it's a horseshoe but that it's beautiful it's symmetric oh yeah oh, it's a beautiful horseshoe yes for so we'll give you that, that we, yeah but you're <laughs> looking for something we weren't even trying to do now you don't like that that's fine that's fair but yeah that's, you're right, you're right about that i am making was, a qualitative judgment half about was the style highly yes. functional okay Pretty close, yeah. Uh, we had a bunch of shots. Um, you know, had Lacazette' goal gone in, that would have been nice. Had he put his head on the ball, we would have actually got the xG we deserved uh, off his second header. You know, that would hit. That was a big chance. That was probably worth point four two or something like that. We would have had. You know, I mean, we don't care about scores around here. We care about stats and xG. Bingo. We would have had a <laughs> a reasonably started first half that we could all feel good about. The goal would have been a nice little bonus. Hmm. Um, and you know, then we get on to discuss. Now, this is not me saying we don't have lots of problems and that you couldn't see what those problems uh, were itching to be from the first half. There, there are things you can go at from the first half. But um, I think the first half went very well. Um, I think we were very unlucky. The manager was very unlucky. Um, The second half, I think we were unlucky again, but uh, we had a couple of injuries, which which obviously affected how we played. But we got beaten the way... There was an inevitability in the second half, not just because Vardy came in, but because of how we were set up. And so the the flaws you could see in the first half... I I think as well to say that uh, Leicester didn't come to play... Um, in the first half is all wrong. I think they did they did what they did best. I mean, in the the pre-match uh, review, I said something close to the fact that this was probably one of our trick trickiest encounters because this is this was just where you didn't want to be playing Leicester at home because are we the pro- protagonist you'll remember this because I couldn't say pro- protagonists last time either, but are we the protagonists? Um yeah, we have to be because it's a, it's at home and it's against Leicester, a team that shouldn't be better than us, but might be. Um, and we're going to be in this awkward situation where we have to go at them and it's just going to suit suit them perfectly. And this, you know, the second half was kind of on the cards. The first half was good, though. And I have no problem with how we created play, I'm pinging those balls. It wasn't just out to, to tyranny. Bellerin was making his runs in between in behind yes we weren't doing anything through the middle uh we weren't really using lacazette apart from the guy to finish the chances um you know it's not brilliant but it was good had we come away from this with a win or a result and the second half not been terrible i think we would be talking about what the what the up how we build on that and what we can do better and all that kind of stuff.
1: I, I think there are times where you disagree with someone to a level where the best thing to say is agree to disagree because I don't mm-hmm. even have a way to respond to it because I, I literally, every word you said, I think the opposite of. So I'm not going to go into it because I literally, like every single word you just said, all of Good. them, every all, every single word. If you said the opposite word, that would be my position. So I'm just going to stay, that, that's at, my position. Look
3: at the emotion we're saving ourselves. <laughs> I know, we're saving everything. ourselves
1: this a lot of energy great. here. I, I think there are, th- n- now let me, be serious for a second. I don't know. No, 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 don't do it. Okay. There were no, good things no, no, about no. the first half. No, I just no. want to get that out there. Um, the, the goal we scored is a perfectly good goal, it shouldn't be ruled out. I don't think it's a brilliant goal, but it is a goal that should count. And when a team comes to sit in and do nothing, if you can put them behind and force them to do something, the game gets easier for you. So when those things don't go your way, I acknowledge that. That really sucks and that hurt us. Uh, Lacazette gets his head on one. You're right. We're, we're talking about an, an expected goal half that beats our expected goal season for, for the most part. So you're right about that. I, I I think the things that worry me are like our principal route to getting in behind them or, or hurting them was still David Luiz pinging long balls. I think the midfield was too on plane. No one was really taking the job to step well, forward between the lines. I Again, maybe it was. I, I agree with you. But if it's by design, and we're going to get into this, I think the design needs to be tweaked. I, I still think, Paul, that against a Leicester team that was content to kind of keep us at arm's length a little bit, we did okay. But the type of a, you know, what I think it is, there's not a lot of variety okay. to the way we yeah. we create chances. Uh, like you, you know, against City, I can City,
3: see. So here, here's where. Uh, uh, I here's my concern with this. Even if we take it that hey, that was pretty good. If we go up, my story, the next time we play somebody, they're going to be ready for that. And they're so already ready
1: not, for it a little bit, right? I mean, we're already seeing some yeah, of the like what City did against us. This is us, not
3: a repeatable. They just plan. Yeah, yeah, froze
1: out our our ability to use the overlaps on the wings. They you know they put they put Walker on on obama i gonna just shut the whole thing down um well clive i'll let you come in and, and have a little response to this as well before we get in we should talk lacazette so we'll do that um the only other thing i'd say though is that um y- you know when you look at the chances we created and we did create some and the way we're doing it i think variety so i mentioned the city game you know the two chances the the, the one on the one that Saka gets the really good Saka chance and, and the Aubameyang one that was offside but wasn't actually offside. They both come from something we we just don't do anymore, which is little triangles on the edge of the box, a little bit more aggressive, advanced possession, players on the edge of the box interconnecting. And I think the thing that frustrates me, Paul, and frustrated me in this half, even though we did create chances, is we do not want to, either by design or by ability, have those interactions on the in the deep final third on the edge of the box those the the close distances of players on you know right at the top of the box where they can make quick darting moves and quick one two passes there's not a lot of that it's a lot more based on spinning it out to the wings and trying to cut it back in and i just the one thing we do know is headed chances are low xg chances crosses are hard the variety isn't there for me so Clive i mean that, there's a lot there there's a lot of meat on that bone and we can start to turn it a little bit to what happens when this system all pivots around getting Lacazette into dangerous positions in in the form he's in? But do you want to have a quick go at at Paul and I? Let's be fair, slightly disagreeing about the the quality of that first half. Not totally, slightly disagreeing. I exaggerated a bit.
2: See, this is what I, this is what I love about football, right? Not just a disagreement, but I keep saying it, and, and and we keep doing it, right? We keep bringing our ideals to the show, true. right? So. Mm-hmm. Every game is different. So, Man City, what did they do? Man City, they pressed us massively. They played the front two of Aguero and Sterling, and they played four midfielders behind us. They knew we were going to play it from the back. They had Fodin, Bernardo Silva, Dwell Cancelo and Mahrez, all pushed up, and they had three defenders at the back. So they pushed the emphasis forward, right? And so once we broke through them, we could do those combinations. What did Leicester do? They dropped away into a mid-low block. There was no passes to have those combinations. They blocked those areas. They didn't bother having two forwards. They said to us, we're going to let you have the ball. And that drove us to switch in play and longer balls to try to get to the gaps which they gave us was down the sides. And so every game has something different. You can't just say, I want to see some Wenger football here. Because mm. they, they they took six people in there. That's there was no point, room to yeah. do it. So they gave us the room to go to the outside this is what i love about the game it's something i want to talk about i not trying, i don't want to do it now because it take up too much Paul's time but the game is formulaic now it is not what we used to be everybody has a plan everybody has a pattern it's not the,
1: the improvisational of, <laughs> thank
2: you thank you <laughs> You know, and I wonder if it's been exacerbated by the fact there is no people there. It becomes two coaches fighting each other, and so when we're in the ground, and we have a situation on Lacazette's goal, we're after the referee. We're creating, we're creating a dynamic. We're creating a variable. We're creating something that people can spark off. So you're seeing less momentums. You're seeing coaching swings in momentums. You're seeing formulaic football. It's like when you suddenly when you see a magic act and you work out how the magic's been done in the background. It's taking that away from you a little bit, right? Mm. So the variables is changing. The game is changing. It's almost like the first time I got involved into learning how the game was built by looking closely at coaches. I was actually quite disappointed that all these patterns happened, but by by design. I thought they just happened. Do you know what I mean? And then you realise how formulaic and precise this game is. And I think it's becoming more that way because the, the atmosphere is becoming clinical, It's like a doctor's waiting room. And I think the players that inspire those individual moments, they're being reduced by the environment by which they're playing in. And we're not seeing it. And what we're doing as fans, because we're disconnected, is we are hammering down on the formula of what we're seeing, mm. right? Even more so rather than the emotional reactions to what we're seeing during the game of a referee or a player, we're not seeing as much of that. So we're all becoming more formulaic is what I'm trying to say. Let's stop looking at every game the same way until we get to that point when we see what we like. Because City and Leicester City approached us in two different ways and we had to play in two different ways to try and get something. And we've got zero so far.
1: Yeah, and and I mean... I. You make a good point. There's a story about Pep, maybe it's apocryphal, but like Thierry Henry scored a goal, but he was like a little more central than he was supposed to be or something. So, right after he scored the goal, he took him off because he was pissed at him for not like holding his position or whatever. And it's this idea that like everything is sacrificed at the altar of positioning and structure and plan. And we're seeing that Arsenal are a more structured, planned team than we have ever been. And some of that works. But, but you know, like, for example, the goal we score, the winning goal we score against uh, Rapid Vienna, much like the two chances I talked about at City. What does it come from? It comes from a darting run in behind from Bellerin. It comes from an intelligent run from our center forward. But it also comes from Elneny playing a little slip ball in behind, standing two, two yards off the penalty box. And, like, that positioning from Elneny for that goal is positioning that none of our midfielders took up, really, at any point in this game. So, like... I think it's interesting, right? Like, Paul's got a point. This, the first half had a lot of good things about it in terms of ch- chances, yeah. yes. But you know what's interesting? List the players who were good in the first half. It's the same culprits, isn't it? Louise, Gabrielle, Tierney, maybe Bellerin. Saka, S- okay. yeah. But it, it's not your center forward. It's not your right winger. It's not any of the three central midfielders, right? It's the—we we are having trouble engaging those— elements of the team in our attack and making them flow so I don't want to shit on the first half I think look we created the chances to win the game in that first half at least a couple of them we didn't take them I still think you can put them under more pressure and you can vary it more but that Paul's right that's me having an issue with the approach not the execution of the approach so that is fair but I think that leads us inexorably to the fact that the reason this game is not one nil arsenal at the break or two nil arsenal I mean it should have been one If not for the referees and bar, but like
2: terrible decision, terrible Terrible decision.
1: decision. But Paul, it's, I mean, I don't think this whole thing can be laid at Lacazette's feet. I'm not usually one to go to defend the scapegoat. I'm usually the one who is, um, um, trying to stick the last dagger into the final space I can find in him. But like, you know what it is, Paul Lacazette's not the future of Arsenal. We know Lacazette's in decline. We know Lacazette is not excellent anymore. There's a reason Nketiah has started ahead of him. There's a reason William has started ahead of him. There's a reason Joe Willett came on and played false nine against Rapid Vienna. It's because Lacazette is not an elite talent at this point in his career. So I look and I say, is the fault that Lacazette played badly again? Or is the fault that this, that we're persisting with this? So we're, I mean, how frustrated are you with Lacazette's performance? And does that then also beg the question, what are we expecting? Why why keep doing the same thing expecting a different result?
3: Um I mean, I feel kind of bad for him because I don't think he's ideally suited to the role that he's been selected for and I think he's going backwards.
1: Yeah, kind of that's
3: a fair. Mm-hmm. a Vicious circle cycle thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this won't help him be a better striker next time round. Maybe it'll force the manager to do what we're all itching for him to do at this stage, play Aubameyang through the middle. It uh, wouldn't be fair to put this all on Enketia next if if the manager comes to the conclusion or now has the excuse to, to yank Lacazette <clears throat> as the option through the middle. Um, and it may force the manager just to kind of loosen up his ideas and and roll the dice and try something different. And we all want to see Aubameyang through the middle at this stage. Some of us had more of a problem with him being on uh playing from left than others, but I think all of us in recent times are like, Well, there's nobody good keeping him out of the center forward line. The, the idea I think you can say that Arteta had was that he wanted. He didn't have enough goal scorers. He had one, so he wanted a couple of goal scorers in the front line, and that was uh, uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang. At least as of last season, his rationale this season, I mean, it's just uh, Lacazette isn't going to get any goals. We weren't going to get one way or another. In fact. Uh, I'd fancy Aubameyang or Nketiah to get their head on that ball coming through. I, I'd even fancy Lacazette to get his head on that ball coming through. Mm-hmm. The yeah. one he didn't yeah. put his noggin on. I mean, Jesus. Um, so it, uh, there's only so much you can put on Lacazette. I think he might be going backwards because this doesn't suit him. Um, it doesn't suit Aubameyang at this point. Playing him on the right, I don't get. Um I'm sure there was some genius to that. I didn't see it. Maybe the idea was that Obamyang himself would be getting in behind doing what Tierney did on the other side, Though it was generally Bellerin. I mean, when you look at how far forward we got Bellerin and Tierney, it was very interesting. It was very... Like, we hung it out there.
1: We used the stability yeah. of that midfield three to let both fullbacks push up for the first time this season, right? I mean, is is that yeah. that is the one thing I would say that was a, a change, is for the first time we saw Arteta unleash both wingbacks, and I think he felt comfortable doing that because he picked three tactically adept, stable midfielders behind them.
3: Yeah, and it gave us effectively two wingers. I mean, they were on that line waiting for it on both sides, and Luis and once or twice... Uh, party hit them, uh, Chaco uh, once or twice too, but certainly Luis, and and that was the game plan. And it was interesting. It's not my preferred form of football. I wouldn't like to see it every week. You can neutralise that if you see if you know it's coming, but it was interesting. It was a thing, and we executed. And it was it was pretty good. Um, the 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 whole playing without a midfield thing is is a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, but I get it in this game and, and um, you know, what we do, go, where do we go forward with this system? I mean, move Aubameyang to the center, that'll be good. Doesn't It does give him then options in terms of what he's going to do on the wings. And I came into this season thinking we had lots of wide players, so that's not the problem. Uh, move Aubameyang into the center and, and use the other wide players. But we basically somehow have ended up with Saka, and and nothing else very exciting from the wings you know we can go through the list of names and they all semi-disqualified either by their performances so far or by the manager's feelings on them i mean pepe is a weird one something i would have wanted arteta to address and progress and that seems to be going backwards now forwards it seemed like pepe ended the the end the last season looking good and engaged and like he was trying to get in the hang of it and I was optimistic about how he would come into this season. Mm. I mean don't take it that I don't have lots of things I can criticize Arteta for. Um most of the first half isn't one of them, but the second half, I mean you can blame players but but I blame the the manager for what it's, happened in the second. of that
1: incrementally. And, and and I will say by the way like I I think Mikel Arteta would not have picked Alexis Sanchez to start games. And the reason I say that is that, like, I think his issue with Pepe is the same thing that he'd have with Alexis. He does want that. That predictability, that repeatability, that reliability, that structure, that system. And players like Pepe, players like Alexis, they have to get 8 out of 10 things wrong to get 2 out of 10 things right. And the 2 out of 10 things they get right are devastating. But the 8 out of 10 things wrong give the ball away. They, they're sloppy. they sloppy. They look poorly executed. And a manager who is as much of a seeming control freak as Arteta is, and that may be a misread, but it feels that way. I don't think he likes that. He'd rather have Willian looking a little bit slow and a little bit leggy, but doing the right thing from the right place every time than Pepe doing the opposite. Now, the one time we played Oba central, Pepe right, Saka left for 20 minutes, Pepe's one thing he got right was a stunning goal against Sheffield, right? I mean, a solo effort that comes off. I think the issue with Pepe and Arteta is simply a player, and look, I'm not going to pretend Pepe's been great because he hasn't. I believe in his talent still, but I have to admit, I'm starting to have questions for the first time. But I think players like that that are going to get 8 out of 10 things wrong and 2 out of 10 things right don't necessarily fit Arteta's desire for structure, predictability, repeatability. So, Clive, I mean, you can weigh in on the Lacazette thing a little more. I would say, and we'll get to this at the, towards the tail end of the pod, what we're doing with Aubameyang longer term, but, you know, you can't play Lacazette Central and have a bad game with Lacazette Central without looking at Aubameyang being an absolute shell of a player on the right. And, Again, this isn't FIFA. Just putting the star striker up front doesn't fix your team. But when the striker you're playing is not playing well, and your star striker is not playing well, you do have to start to say, the. Uh, if you're not going to try the obvious thing, people are going to criticize you for it. It doesn't mean the obvious thing would fix everything. But Clive, like, at, at some point, we got two players playing badly now. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is Absolutely. not... Difficult. Can I just give you a couple quick stats, actually, before I, I let you expand on this? Because this, this is pretty wild, okay? These are Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's expected goals per 90 going back to 2017 at Dortmund. And you tell me if it's a player in decline or a player being used wrong or both, okay? So Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, last season at Dortmund, 0.96 expected goals per 90. 0.71 at Arsenal, 0.68 at Arsenal, 0.45 at Arsenal, and this season, 0.13. So you've got a problem here because you've committed to this player long term. Either you have committed to a player who is in clear decline and we are being smacked in the face with it, which none of us want to say is the answer. So then the only other answer is we're looking at a player capable of 0.96 expected goals per 90 and we are using him in a way that we've downgraded him all the way to 0.13. So, you know, and not to make statistics everything, but it, it is just not working for him. And he is the guy we just hung our club on.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we we've we've paid him and 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 he deserved that payment. I don't well I know you edit you questioned him, even though he's your favorite player you it's My favorite it. player and I still for, uh, for these uh, reasons.
1: If you're not gonna lean yeah. into using the guy you just hung all this money on, then maybe don't give him all well, the money.
2: This is you know, I I think I was a little bit angry on the instant reaction. Well angry for me that is. And, <laughs> and the last time I was angry it was probably Brighton. And what I the only times I get angry is when I see stupidity. Mm. That's the only time. And
1: yet you still do the pod with me every day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And when I see stupidity, I don't like it because these are professionals. These are people I want to look up to. So, the way I look at football is very simplistic. We have, we are developing talent. We are buying talent. So we have four or five, maybe what I call proper talents in Gabriel, Partey, Aubameyang, Saka, and, and, and Pepe, in my opinion. Of those of those five players, right, we're not using Pepper Paint appropriately. We're not using Obamyang appropriately. In this game, we didn't use Party appropriately. We missed him out. Right? Gabriel has got Muppets around him, right? So he's gonna he's giving that he's looking like a Lee now. His face is looking traumatized as he's running around trying to point and, and cover gaps. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Saka, this young kid who's just turned nineteen, only one that's brave enough to roll off the front line into the midfield. He's getting kicked to death and his mate's just looking at him, right? So, and we're worried about when a 90-year-old goes down injured because we know he's the only one brave enough to turn around, punch it, one, two, and have shots, right? With everyone else on these with their Ferrari driving mates are standing on centre-half's toes marking themselves, right? And, and fouling people. And so I hate seeing stupidity. I hate seeing top players being marginalised and not pushed to their limit, you heard me say it a hundred times. The definition of a coach is to maximize the potential of his players, not minimalise the potential of his players. And if we haven't got enough world-class talent to minimalise the ones that we have. And I, we spoke before well, the point about your point about the point you made on the on the little rant before the instant reaction And we're not far apart in our thinking. I think we just describe it in a slightly different way from a mind from a coaching perspective. But we have these players, we've invested in them. Give him the keys to the car. Let him run. Make Pepe feel important. Stop making him feel unimportant. You see what I mean? Make him feel important. Give him the room to to roam and create. Get him near Bamiyan, because I tell you, the two of them next to each other are going to score goals. Stop messing about with people that can't move, can't run, can't jump, can't do anything quickly enough. Get them out. Get them out. We can all see it. Get them out. Make them sit and look and watch. Give him a jacket. Give him a coat on the bench. Sit down there because you're not doing it. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make sure you give maximize the potential of the players have. Do not. And I and I love, I have learned so much from Arteta about shape, organization, hybrid players, moving people. I didn't know about the five channels until about four months ago. So now, I'm not going to sit here and say to you, I'm this master coach. He he showed me the two, three, five. I really looked at it. I've looked at the three, I've looked at the emphasis, I've looked at the five defensive channels, how he feels it. I've learnt so much from him. This is not a stupid man. He's a highly intelligent man. Stop marginalising your best players. Football is not that complicated. Mm. Get them in there. That's where the money is, that's where your talent is. We all know who they are. Get them into the team, make them feel important, build your tent around them, and stop messing about with water carriers and making them feel important while... Uh, while your superstar lead actors are sitting on the outside of the team watching it on pay per view,
1: yeah, and, and, and Clive it's perfectly said, "Look, at some point, it pre- seems pretty clear to me that Arteta got it in his head that the most devastating place for a runner to hurt the opposition is from the weak side or or between the fullback and the center back, or you, you know what I mean, and and that that's, that's, the, that's, that's true, it, yeah, but true. exactly, and he got that in his head, and that's how he wants to use Aubameyang." But it's like you have to update your opinion based on evidence, right? Evidence has to change your opinion. Like I I can be a complete SOB. I acknowledge that. Sometimes I have strong um, opinions about things and I I give them forcefully and that that can be off-putting to people. But I like to think that I update them as the evidence changes. Because if you're not doing that, then what's the point? And I think Arteta has a really good point about how you can use Pierre Emerick Aubameyang effectively, but he's got to update his opinion based on the evidence. Clive, go ahead, yeah, and then Paul. Well, sorry. I was
2: going to say, uh, Elliot, I, I, we said before, the Paul. I think this is a real game where data and periodic data really makes an impact. You know, I think it's there are times to look at data. Do you know what I mean? There are games to look at data. None of the data that I've ever seen said that Pierre Aubameyang uh, is better for the right hand side.
0: At oh, no God, point no. It's
2: pretty mm-hmm. clear. It is clear. So why would you do? It? That's what I mean by stupidity. Why would you do that? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Do you feel yeah, me? No,
1: and, and, I mean, and I mean, I would argue he's not great from the left-hand side, and I know that there's some data there too, but he's massively spoofed XG from the, uh, the left. That That's a different issue. Um, uh, Paul, because I want to take a break quickly to uh, make sure that, that we all have very cleanly shaped privates. Obviously, can't do a podcast without that, but before I do that, I, I don't want to freeze you out of the obama thing. I mean, I, I would say that conceptually you can talk me into the role that Obamiang has been given by Arteta if it worked the way it's supposed to. But because it is not working that way and because the players being given the central role are not working out, you have doubly the influence or the impetus to change it. And I think I said this in my rant in the instant reaction pod and I stand by it, which is selling Obamiang would have been excruciatingly painful. It would have been a commitment to a longer term project that many of us would not have wanted. Fine. But if you are going to give a 31-year-old striker all the money and commit to him then you lose the ability to say he has to slot into my system. You say I have to build a system to maximize him. Because the way you deploy resources in a club determine what you can do. If we were building long term and we had sold Aubameyang and we hadn't gone for party and you know we we had kind of gone younger and 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 Mikel said, I have a system we're building towards, and that's the project. So be it. But when you give a 31-year-old striker all the money, you have an obligation to build a system that suits him, not make him suit your system. Because I guess what I would argue, Paul, is if you want a player that suits your system, don't resign the 31-year-old. Sell him, cash in, buy someone who's young and pliable and fits your system better, or use your 31-year-old to his best skill set. So do you see where I'm going now? Which is that, like, Once you allocate resources, that allocation of resources should dictate the path you take footballistically. And we now have an obligation to maximize Obama's contribution and the system and the way we're using him aren't doing it. So I have sympathy for Mikel if he says, I have a system I really believe in and I want it to work a certain way. But you've got this guy who's 31, who's now our most expensively paid player, and you've got to get the most of him or you're nowhere. And I don't think he's an elite-wide player. I watch Saka, and I think Saka is a better player than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang playing on the left. That's a problem. You know what I mean? That's a problem. Because your teenage kid is is outperforming your superstar striker from the position you want to use him. So I keep restating the same thing over and over again. i got to get off this hamster wheel and find a way to turn it over to you. So can you just start talking, and please stop me from talking, please?
3: So Saka is a better uh, left-winger than Aubameyang, but even in the left wing we're not using obamiyang the way it's intended right mm. were we more in control Had we if we were able to push the toothpaste further up the pitch mm. Obamiang would be where we actually want him on the left which is not on the touch line but rotated in towards the That's center great point. because yeah yeah as we get closer
1: and, to their goal he gets more and more central
3: yeah, our whole, I mean, we definitely saw it yesterday to a degree. Unfortunately, he was on the other side. But look how far we were when we were in control, when we had possession. Look how far we got that left side all the way up, right? Mm, it was yeah. a little bit of a different concoction yesterday, but it's its kind of the, I'm going to use the word apotheosis because I like it, but I'm not even going to worry about whether it's the right You've word. You've used
1: up your allocation of that word this month, yeah, by yeah. the way. Oh, <laughs> it's your <yeah>. second.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, so, To your original point, which was you pay him all the money, you got to build, you got to put him in in the position to shine. Um, I mean, built into that is your prejudice. I know it's a harsh word. Mm -hmm. That on the left is not, and it's clear that Arteta doesn't necessarily share that. I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I could, I kind of, I'm open to it because Arteta feels so strongly I mean, if it were me picking the team, I'm a, I'm a simple sort of fella. I'd probably <laughs> play him up the middle, but I get it. I get why he should have space to run into. I just don't think we're close enough to playing the kind of way where we're really going to take it, give him the advantage of playing from the left and um, being in control of the game enough to pop those balls over the top for him to run into in the channels. Um And because we're not where we need to be, I'd prefer if he was just standing where we're trying to get him, which is through the middle. You can still play it into the channels, which is uh, he can go left. He can go right. He actually gives you more options through the middle. If, if you want him playing, not quite central, you know, there's lots of different, there's lots of ways you could slice it. I'm open to persuasion that playing him from the left is a good idea. We seem to be getting by with it last year. And it hasn't really lit me up. As to how we're using it. I get the philosophy. But we're the toothpaste isn't far enough up the tube yet where um we we're really seeing the benefits of him playing from the left. Our striker sucks at the moment. And we need we happen to have another world class striker. Mm. So put him there, put Saka on the left. That solves the Saka Obamayang problem. Right now all we need to work out is who can because you know we're we're kinda Uh, beginning to dismiss the ideas of Pepe off the right. But maybe if you have Saka on the left, Aubameyang through the middle, um, that's going to make it a far more interesting formulation with Pepe coming in from the right. It it certainly shakes things up, and I've always liked the way Pepe and Aubameyang combine. It'll give a lot more threat. That You know, if, if, uh, if Aubameyang goes to the right and pulls his is uh, the the, the centre-back on that side with him and gives the uh, the, the corner uh, full-back something to think about. Mm-hmm. Then Pepe goes the other way. If you look at the goal against uh, Rapid Vienna, we, you talked about um, uh, Mohamed Elneny, you talked about Bellerin, who you didn't talk about was Pepe. And what's Pepe do? Pepe runs from out to in and opens up that corridor for him. You know, it's three, four different players with a combined movement and combined threat, and unfortunately, Lacazette, as as uh, Clive said, is lack of threat at the moment. Uh, he he can run wherever he likes. He's not pulling their centre-backs with him. They, 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 they'll let him go ahead and shout out to him, ah, we'll catch up with you later if we need to. Um, so you need this interplay between them. You need threat, and Saka, Aubameyang, and Pepe spells threat. William, I don't know. I, I think I still like him more than most people, but but I, he hasn't done a lot for us recently. But but I think he's just maybe caught up in the quagmire that is this system right now. Mm. Um. Uh, but I did want to say on the manscaping thing. Oh, I, yeah. Yes, I please. Been mm-hmm. Offering you some feedback recently, and you oh, haven't yeah. really taken me up on it. No, no, no I'd love it's to. A, hear. Yeah. So I got the uh, the manscape four thousand. Which mm. is a, It's a bit of a demon. I think if you scaled it up, it's kind of like having one of those power mowers on. Well, in my case, probably one and a half acres. I'm sure, you don't want to leave this property. <laughs> um, but I've got into a little, you know, you know, topiary. Mm. I got yep. into a little topiary. Mm. I got like a little swan thing going, mm. and I got uh, like, uh, I got a whole flock of geese, and I got like a little, um, a kind of a ornate. 18, 18th century kind of uh, maze mm. where you can go in and kind of wander with your loved mm. one mm.
1: This... for a little
3: romantic idyll. Um, it, I mean, it's all scaled down, but um, like there's a lot you can do. I, I think a lot of young people are just like shaving the whole thing off and I don't get it. I, I, I think you let it grow wild first. So remember
1: earlier in the podcast, we talked about execution, but being okay, but the philosophy being different. I think we have a similar situation there, which is that you've executed yeah. your concept effectively, but philosophically, I I have a lot of problems with it. And so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to run the real advertisement. Um, ah. I don't know how I'm going to turn this into the ad-free version for patrons. So patrons, <laughs> I, I apologize, because uh, how could I possibly leave you out of that? Um, so let's take a quick break to tell you about the actual product that does actual stuff that is actually really good and when we come back if we still have a sponsor uh, we will talk second half we'll talk Thomas party I think there's plenty of meat on that bone and uh, look ahead a little bit stay with us look just because something's awkward to talk about doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it so we're going to talk about shaving your privates and Manscaped is going to help take care of you taking care of your privates they are a line of world class men's below the waist grooming products and right now I want to talk about the lawnmower 3.0 make this a Christmas gift for yourself, which becomes a gift for your partner. Make it a gift for your partner, which sends a message the right way. Or just give it to yourself for yourself because you love yourself, and loving yourself is important. You know what doesn't say I love myself? Using an old razor in the shower and then nicking yourself up and having all kinds of cuts and abrasions and pain. That's so good. It also doesn't say you love yourself if you don't keep yourself trimmed and clean. Right? Trimmed and clean. You feel fresh. You feel better. These are hard times. Make yourself feel a little better about yourself. Now, why the lawnmower 3.0? It's got a phenomenal long battery life, so you don't have to worry about it running out of battery. It's got a great charging stand. I just leave mine in the shower, though, because it's waterproof, so that's perfect. It's always in there when I need it. It's got a light so I can see what I'm doing. And with a ceramic blade and 7,000 RPM motor, you get no trimming incidents, accidents, injuries. Avoid that. Look great. Feel great. Take care of something that you should take care of, and just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it isn't important. So go there, manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. Please use the promo code ArsenalVision because that'll save you 20% and give you free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. Go there now, get your lawnmower Mower 3.0 and take care of yourself. Be good to yourself. Do it now. Okay, we're back. And hopefully um, the actual advertisement has purged from your mind the memory of what happened before the advertisement. So let's hope. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to bring Clive back in here now to get the podcast back on track. There's still a lot to talk about um, in this game. The second half, we had one shot worth .07 XG, and I, I think we just kind of laid down. And some of this is about fitness. I mean, losing David Luiz hurt us, losing uh, Bakayo Saka hurt us. I, I think we lost our way a lot in the second half, and Lester played a little and scored. Um, there's some mustafi that went on. There was some shacking that went on. But none of that is super interesting to me. I mean, ultimately, it is not the defensive errors that are costing us. I mean, yes, you shouldn't concede that goal. But if you don't concede that goal, you get the nil-nil draw you don't want anyway. Um, It's the not scoring. And so I think we have to talk Thomas Party, Clive. I took some pelters for not being 100% behind the Thomas Party deal. And you know this from doing two scouting pods with me. I think he's a very good player. And I think there's a chance he will still improve us massively. But much like my Aubameyang rant... Of using the resources that you've invested in. Clearly, we need a playmaker and we don't have it. So we went and got Thomas Party. Well, if you're going to put the big money into Thomas Party, then you have to trust this guy to do the job too, in a way. You don't need Shaka, Ceballos, and Party. They are all similar in their role sit deep, be tactical, win the ball back, progress it to the next level. Um, Party can do it more elite than Shaka with more mobility. Ceballos had an off day. We could come to that if you want, but I don't think it's necessary. I just think. Not only did we have three of them, but in having three of them, we chose not to use the one we just made our record signing because the ball bypassed him the whole way. I blame the selection of the three in part and putting them all on plane with one another. Now, to some extent, it's understandable why Party wouldn't be used a ton right away because he's new, but this was a problem. This is this is our star signing. We planted a flag with bringing him in one of the elite central midfielders in world football. And we put him in a system with two guys that ape his role. So how, how do you feel about his, his usage in this game and how we failed to get more from him and maybe how we, we avoid doing that uh, again, ever if possible.
2: Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I was pretty angry, right? Cause there's stupidity, you know, um, we, we didn't have any depth in midfield. I think it's, you know, my theories about the game being five at the back, five at the front. There's not so much a thing as box to box anymore, but you can create depth by where you stand. And I felt we were quite cowardly in midfield. So Partey was given the central zone, whether this was by design or not. Xhaka was dropping in deep. On the left-hand side, and and Tobias, I, I don't know where he was standing. I don't know where he was standing. I don't know what he was standing in, but he must have been standing in his quicksand, as far as I was concerned. Right. So, yeah. so, so we had no depth. And then what do we? We we had this player who was who we, when he played well in any against Rapid Vienna. I know it's championship level team, but we could see the start of something there. He did everything. He did everything, and. He had a partner that allowed him to do everything, you know. And any, he, he's an he's an enabler. These these other two guys, I I, I was shocked by the lack of balance. I I didn't expect that. And I read, you know, I'm online as well, and I see many of the start elevens, and many many people in the four three three with Shaka and Party and and Tobias in it. Many many people wanted that, and we saw it for the first time. Whether the construction was correct, we saw it, and I didn't like it. Not only did I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that we missed out the guy who's the best of all three of them. We just missed him out. And if we are still giving the keys to this car to Granite Shaka after we're spending the money on this guy, then we're making a fundamental error because I don't think Shaka's passing is anywhere near where it should be, anywhere near as adventurous where it should be. There was opportunity for him to fade balls over top. He chose to go on the ground and got cut out. His pass selection, his pass execution, his technique on his passing – is not what people think it is. It isn't. People look at it and say, oh, he's a good passer. That's because he can't run, can't tackle, can't do anything else. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Not good enough. Not in, Not agile enough. Doesn't move the ball quickly enough. He's not good enough to be given the ball a hundred times a game. It just isn't. Do you know what I mean? And so we, need, we buy someone to do this, who can... You can solve problems. When the ball comes you get to press, he say, oh, you're getting done. I'm going skipping past you. Attract people, pop it, and off we go. People start to move, start to roll in based on what he can do. When Shaq and Zabias get it, I'm sorry, my hope index goes down. Unless Sabias gets it on that left-hand side higher up because he's quite imaginative on that left-hand side higher up. So play him there. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't play him at right-hand side. You might as well play Maitland-Niles out there because that's the, he's a much better player for that. And so... There's so much wrong with this setup that annoyed me. You know, we talk, I, I've, I've gone a little bit further about the, the channels we're using at the moment. I don't like the fact we've got two fullbacks in the five channels. I don't like it. Have one of your fullbacks inverted like Man City do with, with Kyle Walker. Because then we won't get, get done on defensive transitions, right? Because then we might have slow blokes in midfield. Hey, get, your, get What are we doing with two fullbacks in the five channels? Rubbish. That's absolutely rubbish. That's not, how are we going to score? Don't tell me oh is a great parson last word. No, he's not. He's all right. He's not as good as Pepe would be.
1: I mean, he was our most effective attacker in this game, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. And yet our best shot well, beside the one that Lacazette did. He's
2: an off-the-ball off runner. He's an off-the-ball runner, right? He's got yeah. a good time and he runs in behind. He's quite brave and aggressive and courageous. Stocked in the second half, mind Note.
1: I mean, he, he hit he hit that volley like a chance. I mean, that that's yeah. the chance of the game other than the Lacazette missed header,
2: yeah. He's an, he's an off-the-ball off player. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. And, and, um, you know, I I would give Thierry a, a, a go as one of the five channels because I think his delivery is better. I think it's much more accurate. So we need to fit the balance. Have your defenders defend. Have your midfielders create. And have your strikers score goals from central positions. Please. Stop putting defenders in the five channels because you're going to get what you're going to get.
1: Mm.
2: You're going to get plucky crosses. I don't want plucky crosses. I want attackers putting the ball in with, with devil. You know, so this is why I'm angry about this game. Stupidity of... Applying your resources to a game of football, it wasn't smart. It really wasn't smart. Too many errors. Yeah, too I, many errors.
1: I think the problem when you have Party Ceballos, and Shaka standing in a line at the center of the pitch, none of them. I mean, Party and Sabyas maybe more than Shaka, but none of them are going to slip a ball into the forward. And if you look at the pass map, that and Paul, I know you liked it in terms of the sense that like it was it was the perfect. Um, it was the apotheosis of that system. But, like,
3: it, Lacazette it was great is standing, in the first half and showed you its vulnerability in the second half. Well,
1: and Lacazette is totally disconnected from anything. Nobody found him because yeah. there's no one between the lines. Like, if you want to play Party and Shaka and Ceballos, put Party and Shaka in a double pivot and let Ceballos kind of flit in between the lines and sort of an, I hate to even invoke his name, but an Ozoli type role or let Saka play that way and drop one of Shaka and Ceballos and, and put Aubameyang back on the left and bring party in, have someone connecting the, the the middle group to the front group in a pocket between the lines, especially the way Lester set up with five right across the middle, because someone's got to push, you know, pull them apart a little bit. Um, the fact and, that we're, can I yeah, can I say please, yeah something as absolutely well, go for it.
3: The other side of it is defensively, and like you can blame whoever you want on the goal, but I I think the personnel's irrelevant on the goal. Um, they knew, and you know this because that was almost a set play for them. You you could see what the guy gets a, it. he he spins onto his right foot and he bangs it over the top, practically no look into under under over. Um, who runs onto it and squares it to Vardy. It didn't even have to be Vardy. Anybody who jogged in other than Lacazette would have got their head on that. It, it wasn't Vardy going at, at 100 miles an hour. It was the guy in the center running forward and meeting the ball. It, it, was, bit, it was so simple. Mm. It was a guy popping it over the top, under running forward and putting it across. It was a drawn up play yeah. against a central midfielder who was tiring I mean, they must have have talked about it for 10 minutes at halftime. Here's what we're going to do. We'll bring on Vardy. He'll run up the middle. We'll bring on under. He'll run into that. And when you look at our defensive line, not only did we have our five attackers attacking slots filled on the other end. Defensively, this was a situation where we had our five defensive Uh, slots filled and Tierney was to his left. The one defender besides Gabriel who could have kept up with him was marking the winger. Well it it, it, all of us would have known that Chaka was going to get done in the second half if he was playing as a centre back as he tired as he made poor choices and that that would be the play they drew up for him. So there was a naivety you know as much as this kind of worked for us in the first half as soon as Vardy came on This was going to be how they got us. Mm. They didn't need any brilliant craft. Just pop it over the top, run it, chaka. I mean, the guy was ten yards clear of him. The funny thing is, like, for
1: as little as they did, I, you know, I watch Madison, for example, and I'm just like, who's who has that role for us? You know, I mean, who who has that role for us? Whether you know it's Grealish at Villa or, or, or Madison at at Leicester, you know, you look at these teams that are able to to push the ball forward and. I don't know who's supposed to be doing that for us. And I mean, we had a lot of control in this game. There wasn't the space to run into. So I, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we could have done that. Paul, yeah? Mm hmm. Yeah, oh, I'm
3: yeah, just, yeah. I got to go. Oh, you got to go. Okay. Uh, So yeah, yeah. We'll,
1: we'll let you go and then we'll wrap up. Paul's on Twitter. Right. Possible pants. Thanks, man.
3: Woohoo.
1: Woohoo. Indeed. We'll chat soon, I am sure. And poof, Paul's gone. Um, Clive, let's talk Nicola Pepe. So I look at three pieces in this squad. Um, and, and by the way, I don't want to just kill the club about the way they've allocated resources because there's always time to praise Gabrielle who looks better and better and better and better and never looks bad and always looks good and was a tremendous purchase. Right age, right money. Great physical profile. Looks great. Great. The club has put a lot of money in Pepe, Aubameyang, and Party, And I feel like, you know, that combined with the young up-and-coming superstar of Saka, they're your players. Go make them work. Go make those guys work. Yeah, so... um the 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 Pepe thing increasingly feels headed towards a bad outcome and one thing that I do notice that's become a trend is when a player isn't working out for Arsenal the excuse is he's not being used right so Torreira was bad at Arsenal and the excuse was we're not using him right and Pepe hasn't been great at Arsenal same excuse and uh, Aubameyang isn't good right now same excuse but the problem is like it can't be both things either the players aren't good enough or the coach isn't using them right if it's the first that's a problem if it's the second that should be fixable like it seems to me we have to make Pepe, Yang and party work. Those three, we have to find... Plus, throw in it. You have to find a way to, to maximize that. Um, what isn't working about the Pepe situation? Do you think it's it's related to what I talked about earlier, about him being a player who's a little more jazz, a little more improvisational in a system that doesn't allow for that as much? Is it... Um, you, you know, is it not... Th- that when he's played, we've not attacked up the right enough to, to really give him a partner? What what's your take on Pepe or, and I hate to even propose it. Is it just that this player is just not as good as we hoped? And we it have to come be. to terms with that.
2: Uh, I, I personally really like his talent. I think some of the things that he does really, really well are uniquely top, top class. Right. So I, you know, based, based on things I've looked at, I just think, I just feel we need to trust him a bit more. Mm-hmm. I think we, we need to make him feel important. i felt this for a while. Um, the times when he's played well is the times when we've lent on him. You know, we've really lent on him. We need to give him more creative responsibility and scoring responsibility and demand more from him. Don't demand... Don't he His price tag demands things anyway. But then you have to systemically demand from him. Put him in positions in the pitch. Don't have him on the extremities of the team. Have him at the heart of the team. As close as possible to our superstar striker. It's just as simple as that, you know. We've got a front four diamond. We should be playing. We all know the. We all know what the four should be. Potentially on balance, Saka, William, um, Pepe, and Aubameyang. That's your front four diamond. You have a double pivot in behind. We've got we've got four double. Four players we can play double pivot, choose whichever two you like, right? But obviously the £50 million signing should be one of them, or more often than not. And then you've you have, you can you've got full backs, you've got four, five fullbacks, and we've got, we've got 400 centre-backs. This isn't too hard, right? And you can create shapes within that in-game, in-possession, out-possession, because we've got a number of players that can move from zone to zone. But really, your front four diamond has got two creator finishers, and you've got Pepe and Obama, which I think are their, their primary psychology is one's finisher scorers, right? Mm. Scorers who can create that way around. They're killers. To make them be those players. Lean on them to be those players. As soon as we start debating people if they're being used appropriately, then they're not. It's <laughs> as simple as that. Mm. You know, they're not being used appropriately. Let's not talk about their talent. You know, Pepe's done it. In, when Pepe does it, we're all convinced. When he doesn't, we're not. Yeah, right? well, look so, at that goal against Sheffield,
1: right? I mean, at Sheffield United, that's that's kind of what you would that draw goal. up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, only he yeah. can score that goal, right? So um, the only one other person that could do it is the Bamiyang, right? So these two are special talents. They are match-winning talents. Get them on the pitch together near each other. Give them the scoring responsibility for Arsenal Football Club. we got Willian, whether you like him or not, he was by far Chelsea's top creator last season. We've got him on the outside of the team. Get him on the inside of the team. He's 32 now. Get him on the inside of the team. Get him, you know, technically being near Saka, creating chances, being crisp, being technically secure. Tim sent something out today about our technical security in the top third. Mm. I massively agree with that. You know, but look at the personnel. We're asking Bellerin to be secure. We're asking a Bamiyang to roll into midfield to be secure. That's not what we want him to do. You know what I mean? We're asking people to do jobs. They're not good. We're asking Lacazette to come into midfield and hold the ball. He's rubbish at doing that. You know, he's a side foot second forward, cut back finish. That's what he is. He's not super in the build-up. He doesn't hold the ball. He's not physical enough. He's a second striker. His best period came in the 3-5-2 with Yang up front, two strikers, and Yang stretching people, and he fills in the pocket just in behind. The first time I saw him play for Leon, that's exactly how he played. He was never alone number nine. Not mm-hmm. for me, anyway. And so, again, another player we're misusing. right? So but we're all frustrated as fans because we can see the misuse. We can see it. And it's cost us two league defeats on the trot. Played played six, won three, lost three. That's not good enough. That isn't good enough for this team. They're better than that. We've we've dropped a couple of points there, minimum, that we should have. I don't the one good thing is we're not getting bopped in these games. Hmm. And but the thing is that I'm coming to your world now, but what's happening is the game is becoming far more about fine margins. So this misuse of resources is not turning the margins our way. You know? Mm-hmm. We need we can't afford to have it game on game not being optimal. Everything in the league now is open. Every game could go either way. There is no home advantage due to the crowd situation. So this is all about fine margins, fine detail. We're getting some of the defensive stuff right. Unlucky with the injury situation but we're not getting the offensive stuff right we're not deploying our resources appropriately
1: yeah uh, i mean look i i completely agree with every bit of that i, I think we can sort of start to wrap this up i i, I would just ask i mean at the back you know I, mustafi's been out a while it, you yeah, know I don't some people that want to kill him i think the issue is more that mustafi is who he has always been i think the redemption arc was not something we should have bought into I, I feel that at times, Clive, most people are more humane than I am. I acknowledge that. So they want to find a way back for every player. Find a reason why every player is still good, is still usable. And the redemption arc for Mustafi is a nice storyline, but we always should have been moving away from him, right? So, like, whether you want to lay that goal at his feet, whether you want to kill him again and send him to the bad place again, like, to me, it's just another example that, like, Shodran Mustafi should have moved on, and we can't move him on. And we're in that position with a lot of players, right? Like it's the, the, for me, the, the condemnation here belongs with the club, not with the player, in a sense, because there never should have been a period where where Shodran Mustafi is a guy we should be relying on. We knew who he was, right yeah. there, there was no there was no real reason to buy into a Renaissance yeah. arc there.
2: Yeah, well, he's a back three defender in a deep line defence, right? He can head things out of his box. He yeah, can head, he bad. can have aeroplanes out of his box, and his game when he can switch to play. He's got a decent cross ball, for cross field play. But as soon as you pull him out of his hole, well, he he comes back in the instalments, doesn't he? He's got to wait for a taxi to get back in, and so. And so that's it. And he, and he gets attracted easily. He gets pulled out of his holies and he turns around and he goes, Oh shit, I'm in trouble. Either he grabs somebody if he's close or he just jogs back in and puts his hand up and says, Sorry, lads, worst number three points gone. And so, you know, we're lucky. We're, as a podcast editor, we're growing and we, we've got a great audience and we've got great subscribers. We're lucky to have them, because I'm not going to talk about Shaka and Mustafi again, because they're all going to unsubscribe, because we've been doing this for years. Yeah. We all know their weaknesses. We all know this. We're not going to do it again. We just have to wait until this stuff goes away. And that's some of the contractual discussions we've had. It's coming to an end. Next summer, there are some contracts that are just going to roll off, and we're going to have to wear the cost, hopefully in a, in a different market this stuff will go away. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. I just want to make sure that the the shining lights that we do have get supported appropriately. And I, I will say, you know, we got a young we got a young defender we're not sure about at the moment, and we have got a set of young players that we might see on on this week against was it Dundalk this week. I'm not sure. I think it's Dundalk. Um, I I'm hoping we get some positivity from that from that game. Because we've used a set of players now for a long time and some of the younger players are not getting a bit of they're not getting the chance. And I'm hoping they shine because I'm wondering where a couple of them have gone. You know? Mm-hmm. Joe Willock has gone. Are right? you telling me that he couldn't have done that right sided role but what he was being asked for and maybe ten yards further up and maybe drive? Do you know what I mean? Um yep. Lester didn't play us anyway. At least he can sprint back and recover maitland and now gone. Where's he gone? Did he say? Did he say the wrong thing in his press conference last week about <laughs> us? Or, you know, did he just misread that situation? Has he been, has he been clipped because he was surely due to play against Rapid Vienna but didn't play? Saka played. Looks knackered. What's going on there? Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, Rhys Nelson. I, I think you know Tim's point he sent out earlier. Reese Nelson is one of my most secure players in the upper third on technical security, keeping the ball. He must be sitting on the sideline watching these idiots lose the ball wondering, can I not do something? These players are going to get a chance this week. Let's hope they take it. Let's hope they put some things in the manager's mind. I'm not sold by all of these players. I I do think we overrate a few of them. But hey, look, we've got a group of young players. They need to go and show they're ready to rip the shirts off these guys' backs when they don't perform. Some of that's with the players. And I have to say, some of that's with the coach. I'm not going to protect the coach I sometimes do that in my analysis this one is stupid he was over, he overthought the City game Yeah, and I think he just didn't didn't have the ability to adapt in the second half I think that was the key thing for me just change it adapt quicker change the system do more things make sure our, our top talents in the right part of the pitch maybe unfortunately a couple of injuries again where he has been unlucky with injuries and sendings off but you know what, mate? I want to see him not be so stupid with our with our five superstars, shall we say, that we're developing.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, I I think you can have real issues with what Arteta is going through right now, um, and still believe he has the the capability to get us through it. But I I think this is a pivotal moment for Arteta because you know what, Clive? Like he has to show that he can take this dogmatic attitude towards system and structure this sort of control freak system and structure approach and and tweak it and be willing to make some changes for the benefit of the results and the performances like i i don't think that our te- it's pretty clear our is not dumb right like he he has put a structure in place at a, at a club that had no structure that was just a mess in him free fall and and he wants an fa cup with it against big clubs and I, I you know the build from the back play out from the back beat the press Quick hitting attacks that part worked. Now when teams sit off us or don't get drawn in when we want to play out from the back, um, that's the next part. You know, can we can we fashion chances from dominant possession? That's that's the next layer he has to put in. I I just think yeah. whether it's unfair to Arteta or it's fair, the club have shown him where the, where where the investment was. Pepe, party, Aubameyang, and. You know, I don't think any of them are bad players. I mean, Pepe's the one that we're still sort of scratching our head and saying, what is he really? But, like, in a way, this was my rant on the instant reaction pod. It's just that if what Arteta wanted was to really commit to a specific system and it was going to be a long-term project to build a team that can play in that system, then we should have set upon that project. And no fans like to wait. No fans are patient. It would have been painful but we would have seen by the actions of the club that we were on a longer-term project. But the club tells you what to expect. When the club buys older, more ready-to-play-now players and spends really big on them and gives big contracts to 31-year-olds, like the club is saying, we think we're in a position to make a move now. And if the club says that we're in a position to make a move now, then we as fans are going to turn around and say, all right, we expect to see that move happening. Because if we're not going to be good this season, and if we're not going to be good next season, because this is a longer-term project, you then have no choice but to say, was signing a 31-year-old striker to do a new deal the right move? Was buying a 72-million-pound winger the right move? Was paying a 27-year-old 50 million pounds in a big contract the right move? Not because they're bad players. Of course not. But because you're contradicting what you're telling us. And I, I just think that there is a, there's an incompatibility here. And the incompatibility is we are using a system that does not seem to leverage where the resources have gone playing William at false 9 Obamiang on the right leaving Pepe on the bench party in a 3 with two other players that seem to kind of negate his influence and, and make us u- unable to break lines so you know it's it's i think it is time for Arteta to make the tweaks that get more from the the pieces that have really been invested in by the club and if that doesn't work that's probably not Arteta's fault it's probably the club's fault and i feel for him cuz Raul was here for a couple of years doing Raul's stuff and, you know, we got a few things right. Tierney was certainly right. Gabriel was certainly right. But whether it's Willian or Cedric or Pepe or, you know, I can go on and on without wanting to get too controversial about it. Um, you know, that's stuff that, that's not on our Arteta, but that's what he has to work with. Clive as a final thought. I mean, we we get Dundalk this week. It, it's a chance to to rotate and rest some heavy legs, but he also needs to sort of get an, a bit of a tweak in place before we go into United and then Villa's not an easy game. So what do you think... If you were in the room with Arteta right now and, and you know, he said, I, I want your opinion. What's the where's the easy money? Where's the easy fix that that takes this structure that has positives and makes it a little more dynamic, a little more penetrative so that we can put the opposition under sufficient pressure?
2: We're going through a, a transition at the moment. So when he when he took over, he took over the uncoachables, right? And coached them. Yeah. But we look like a coach team. Some people say we look overcoached. Right? So, I wanted us to be a coach team. So, I'm, you know, and I wanted to play because I thought Emery coached us, but I don't think all the players were on board. Right. So, Arteta's coaching us and everyone's on board, apart from the bloke on 350 grand a week. Right. So, and the others that are not on board are out on loan. Right. So, so these guys are on board at the moment. They feel positive and there's been some good things. So, the uncoachables have shown they are coachable, they've exceeded their expectations. And now we have expectations, we have talent. So now, suddenly, it's switched. This group now needs to meet our expectations. And that's what's changing. Alongside that, other teams have had a look and goes, wow, Arsenal look good. They've woken up. They look like a serious club. They're buying physical, tall players. Wow, this is interesting. We better look at our phony baloney dossier on them and try and have a plan, right? Mm. So, And City have given us respect. Liverpool have given us respect. Leicester City have given us respect. And it's our inability to solve those problems in game, on the pitch, without water breaks, with talent, that's caught us out. It's caught us out. So now we need a situation where we have a little bit of improv out of the norm to say, you know what, I need to stand in here because they're not giving me the space where I'm told to stand. I need to move forward a little zone because they're getting away with it back there. And I, my my 70 million pound winger's not getting the ball. So I need to drive forward, get a couple of fouls, get my man booked. And then when I drive forward on the third occasion, he can't tackle me and he'll get the ball one-on-one and we can maybe get a chance. We need more of that. We need more problem solvers who feel the game, read the game, have the ability to solve problems. Let's not go past our problem solvers. Let's not go past our talent. Let's give them the game, give them the keys of this car, and some of the people who have got the keys, what they, they're not doing it. They're not doing it. So I'll give Tobias a break. He could be injured. I'm not a big a fan of some. Yeah, people I was surprised are he played, right?
1: Him. I mean, he was a doubt for this game.
2: Yeah, but he played, and I, I, I will give him a break because sometimes systemically, a, a system can absolutely kill you, and he looks not very good in wide spaces. Shock horror. Right, So um, so I'll give him a break there, but he's important to this team. Whether you like it or not, on the interior, William is important to this team because they're quite neat and we lacked neat players, only had Saka. And once he got kicked off the pitch, we could only go from back to front and it wasn't very pretty. So I think we're going for a phase now where, I've said it before, and the guys on Discord don't agree with me, but I'm telling you, oh i'm I'm right on this we're being looked at we're being scouted. we are better than we've been historically, and teams are challenging us now. This is a good sign it's a sign of progress, but we have to overcome the hump okay. and that's the next step for our teta. I
1: can ask you a silly question one of the problems with football sometimes is that like we look at other teams that have something good happening and we mm. say why can't why can't that be us um there was a lot of Moaning after the Leeds Villa game of people being like, Well, if Leeds can play attacking football that looks fluid and you know dynamic and they don't have players, we have like why can't we do it like I know football doesn't work that way, but what's your answer to people that see other teams with arguably less talent finding ways to um create more fluid attacking football is it as easy as just saying that like other teams play them differently or you know you know we're trying to do something different how do you how do you react to criticisms that are are comparisons and uh between us and teams that maybe aren't struggling with the kind of things we are right now
2: yeah we're struggling with balance at the moment we're not the only ones manchester united are struggling with balance they just bought a 40 million pound dutch midfielder and i don't know why they bought him how they're going to use him right uh, it's a it's a shocking waste of um of resources, right? So, well,
1: there's a glass houses element there, but Yeah, there is. <laughs> but we do
2: we do this, we do this, but it, that's even worse, right? He's, yeah, a, he's yeah. a he's a a young player, a super talent, just picked the wrong club, mm-hmm. and the club picked the wrong player. They should have gone the whole hog, gone for Grealish and played him high up, but they've got Marcus Rashford staying in that hole. But then they have to make a decision. So they didn't make one. They just bought a little a little bauble for the Christmas tree. And now they're going to kill that kid's career, which is terrible, right? So not everyone has Chelsea got balance issues at the moment. Now, what are they doing to the midfield? They don't know what they're doing at the moment. They're conceding goals when in some games and not scoring in other games. Yet they've spent 200 plus million. It's not easy, this game of football. Man City are searching for balance at the moment. They're not always finding it. They haven't got the forwards in the right health at the moment. And so it's not easy. It's not easy. We're not the only ones. But we only care about one club, right? And we can see that we have we have got resources not being, not being used correctly. I I do think balance is something when you see it, it becomes obvious. We saw it against Sheffield United for a short period. Not every game is the same. I recognise that, but isn't that a good benchmark by which to hang our hats on? And I think when Arteta first came in, he gave us the old four-two-three-one, two-three-five, three-two-five system. I like it. I like it a lot. We just need to build on that, and and make sure we're maximising our resources, and stop being so stupid, and over, and stop overthinking.
1: Yeah, well said. I think that's a perfect way to leave it. Stop being so stupid. Should that be the headline of the podcast? Should that be she?
2: Yeah, I don't like stupidity. Brighton stupid. Villa and not Brighton was the stupid one for me. Um, Villa, they they did what Leicester did, but I don't think we as we as good then. But now we're better. We have got better players, so this is this is worse. This one really bothered me. Really bothered me.
1: I don't like stupidity. That's going to be the title of the pod, and that's going to be the end of the pod. So thank you for putting up with us. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. My name's Alex Pithing, black man on Twitter Yankee YankeeGunner. Gives a five-star review. Write nasty things about Paul for whatever he did before the advertising break, because yikes. Um, We play something called Dundalk next. Uh, So maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll finally happen. We love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Dundalk Mill.